What's up, everyone? It's the HB Hose, your host, Sam and Maddie. What up? Uh, we are here today to talk about House of the Dragon, season one, episode nine, The Green Council, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino and that foot-loving motherfucker. I'm just kidding. It was written by Sarah Hess, directed by Claire Kilner. Um, yes, we're going to be talking about feet today, uh, but we'll get to that a bit. <laughs> yes. And also spoilers. We'll be talking about spoilers. Just throwing that out. Yes. Uh, your friendly spoiler warning that we're discussing all things House of the Dragon, everything that's happened. Uh, we'll also be talking about the book. We will not go ahead in uh, the book fire and blood up like ahead of where we are in the the tv story but spoilers for that spoilers for game of thrones all of that is on the table so if you have not seen game of thrones careful (laughs) (laughs) we don't really spoil too much with game of thrones but we definitely use it as comparison points so right and we're getting better at letting the people know that they're spoilers it only took us a whole season (laughs) yes (laughs) thanks guys for bearing with us yep um so uh yeah this is episode nine is the penultimate episode we have one episode left uh we only got the green side so we know that we're getting the black side in episode 10 um but maddie what are your overall thoughts um let me sum it up by saying boom bam bam wham it felt like uh i like i hate to compare it to like a comic book but there was so many like things that happened and they felt big mm-hmm. and like exaggerated so it kind of like gave me that feeling mm-hmm. uh but I loved it I think you know we talked a bit uh, about it on the phone like some things with Allison I can see like to me like the 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 like when you pull the string on your shirt and it just unravels and unravels I feel like she's unraveling yes in this episode um and, you know, obviously, Rainus and her fucking dragon. I literally thought an earthquake was happening. I was like, what? And the natural disaster, of course. <laughs> and I was like, this is a Game of Thrones series. It's not a natural disaster. No, not natural at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was it was actiony. It was disturbing. It was good. It was, it felt like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say ever since, was it last episode or the episode before where I was like, okay, the tables have turned for me. Like this. I think it was the last one. Yeah. I was like, this officially feels like Game of Thrones. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was almost like a finally, like finally, uh, I'm getting what I came, I'm getting what I paid for. Yes. Um, yeah, so I definitely felt like that with this episode too. It felt very much like a movie to me, like with a a, a very clear beginning, middle, and end, um, mm. you know, and a climax right in the middle of it, and then a big boom, bam, wham at the end. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. It was interesting to see just one side of it, just yeah. one side of it, and actually how many like fractures are in that side it's not and that is very George R. R. Martin that's what I love so much about Game of Thrones is that like even on you have a black and a white or in this case a black and a green but there's still it's not there's gray area you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like there's gonna there's issues within what is supposed to be a strong foundation and that is what makes it so good and complex so we saw a lot of that 
um, and this, and that makes it really cool because I'm like, I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So we're, I don't think we're going to go through chronologically. I think we, this episode we could have, but really, I just want to talk about like the bigger points. Um, and then we see a lot, like, so for example, with Allison, we start off with Allison learning that Viserys is dead and her immediate reaction, which was really cool to see. Like, I liked that, that moment that we got with her in the bed and, and like it finally like realizing like the thing that they've been waiting for actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course we're going off of her thinking that her son Aegon is the prince who was promised from the prophecy that Viserys. Yes. (laughs) I feel like she kind of pick and chose words there. I, I don't know. Like, I get it. I don't know why she would do that. I don't know what it is. Maybe because she'll be out of power soon. Maybe she's scared. I, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. And I think that that's why, you know, this episode was definitely um, one for the Allison apologists, for sure. Like, we can easily empathize with her in a few points in this episode. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> with her, like... It's so, it, she, her character is so interesting, Is but she's probably the most interesting to me now based on this episode, because um, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, you're cherry picking words from what Viserys is saying to, to give yourself a better, like an up, right? Because mm-hmm. if she's not the queen anymore, if Aegon is the, the king, then she's the queen she's regent. Mother, so, mother of the king. Yeah. So it's like, she's still solidifying a position of power and maybe it was, you know, we all do that. We have selective hearing, like it's a human thing. So that's definitely what I thought was going on. But then throughout this episode, I started to question that because of her actions. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I do think, um, you know, empathizing with Allison's character a bit more this episode. Yes, she has been dutiful and cunning in a sense, but she is still a woman and she's still compassionate. And I think that shined through, like, especially in the beginning, you know, learning that Viserys has died. Like, yeah, it wasn't what she wanted in her life, but she could have had a really bad king husband you know she didn't have a joffrey she had viserys the peaceful which that fucked me up in the beginning i was like viserys the fucking peaceful this sweet baby yeah oh my god that was great um but again like that's who you got to marry yeah you know like that was your privilege in all of this like you got lucky yeah Well, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying before. It's like, we have seen her and her struggles and we know that like, even with like her children, they're not children out of love. And so it's like, she did have a hard life and really, you know, we see like this point come out very clearly when she's talking to Rhaenys and Rhaenys' chamber um, later on in the episode, but Rhaenys is like, you still toil in the service of men, you know, whether it be your father, your husband, your son, and that's all Allison has ever done. And I think she realizes that now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because that's the thing. It's like, yeah, she she is, there is a sense of, of lucky, like luck with her having, getting to marry Viserys versus any other person. I mean, we have all seen our fair share of really bad fucking kings. Um, mm-hmm. And- Or noblemen. Yeah, yeah. Who was the one, the Ramsey? Oh God. God, he was bad. He was fucking awful. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, she got, she lucked out in that way, but also she was almost forced to, to do it. So like nothing that she has ever done up to this point has been on her own accord or for her own personal motivation. It has been, you know, her personal growth or anything. So I think we're really starting to see her come into her own. And that's something that I think that we can all relate with too, especially as women, you know, it's like, it's a, we still live in a patriarchal society. It's still, you know, a man's world. So like, I think we get that. So, you know, in that, in that sense, we can empathize with her and, and how frustrating, um, that must be and how fucking exhausted she must be all. Yeah. And just just to segue what you said, um, you know, they weren't children out of love. You know, again, we do see a sharp difference of her in this episode where she's talking to Aegon and, you know, she's it's like a different person. She's like, you're like no son of mine, Mm -hmm. you know, so we can empathize with her, but she's also still fucking harsh. Yeah, she is. God, so severe. Yeah, she is. So um, we go from her. We're going to talk about Allison quite a few times uh, in this. Oh, yeah. but I want to oh. talk about the small council since that is pretty much what we open up to after we find out that Viserys is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison goes, tells Otto, uh, and then she tells him about the, the prophecy with Aegon. And then Otto calls the small council together. And then we find out through their conversations that they had been plotting a coup uh to everyone's knowledge but allison uh good sir beesberry and um the lord commander of the night or lord commander of the king's guard which i am forgetting his name right now but i will remember it by the end of this episode anyways uh so the three of them did not know everyone else and i just you know honestly this whole small council is just a big bag of dicks like as soon as i saw everybody that they had um brought in I was like, of course, of yeah, course, you have a Lannister cunt on here. Like, Lannister first. I was like, oh, we're already off to a bad start. Yeah, it was fucking awful. And then not only are the Lannisters just all cunts, we know this, but mm-hmm. um, he was like personally rejected by Rhaenyra. So it's like, of you know, everyone's got, and that's what's really cool is like everyone has these little motives and one of the things that the book readers say, especially on the topic of the small council and these characters that we're meeting, because there's there's a new guy. I don't know who he is, but he was a part of the coup planning. Um, and then we have the maester who was enlisted and we didn't really. Anyways, the one of the biggest things that the the people that have read through the entire books have said that they wish there was more of is these introduction to these characters also the Cargill twins because they're very important in the books so uh us meeting them and really seeing them for the first time this episode is kind of like we're rushed into trying to know them and yeah. they're going to the table um so small council uh yeah we see the coup being planned uh auto basically says we got to kill everybody over there on dragonstone so like yeah, so that Aegon can ascend this rulership and have no threats. And Alicent was fucking shocked and surprised. She was bamboozled, hoodwinked, run amok. <laughs> she had no idea what was going on. And, you know, again, like that kind of untethering, that unraveling that's happening with her, you see it more here. She 
wants Aegon to be king, but she doesn't want to kill Rhaenyra. And she says, you know, that's not Viserys's wish, which we talked about off the pod. You know, Viserys was at Rhaenyra's like side throughout her life. You know, even with the kids, he always supported her, especially publicly. He always publicly supported her too. So yeah. And even the two guys, Beesbury and the uh, commander of the Night's Guard, we're like, well, yeah. we don't believe that he would just only say it to his wife and his dying breath with no one around. Like he's a king. Like he would know to do that earlier on with people present, with witnesses. Like there's a certain order to how we do this. There's a protocol to how we like say these things because like you can't, I mean, I guess you can write it down, but like this is Game of Thrones times. They don't have social media. Like you're not accountable for anything unless you have witnesses and, you know, all that jazz. So so that alone, you know, and that's what makes it so complicated when we're talking about the succession and how the public, like the optics of it, how the public's going to view it. Um, Because Rhaenyra was publicly named heir. The high lords of Westeros all kneeled, knelt to her and, and supported her claim. Um, you know, and he, through the last 20 years has publicly supported her, publicly supported his grandchildren, her sons, and, and never once switched on that and told her that she would never be supplanted, at least not by him. And he stayed true to that. And that was great because that was the one thing that he was like very through and through on his whole life with that, or at least from the time that he, uh, named her successor, but so we have this public account from the king himself, and then that's versus like versus this private account that only Allison hears. Mm-hmm. So automatically, that's what Beesbury is saying. He's like, "Yeah, fucking, I can't believe you. Like, why would I believe you? You have, uh, you have a stake in this in this game, right? Right. But then on the other hand, when we're talking about it being a patriarchal society, Aegon, everyone assumed that he would then be named heir because he's the first male heir, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be like really interesting seeing how that plays out, especially like in a public sense, because we haven't really gotten a lot, um, with the public, we did get Rhaenyra a couple times or like the one time when her and Damon are on the street of silk and we got, you know, uh, opinions from them, them saying that, you know, the people on the street saying she shouldn't be queen and it should go to Aegon. Uh, but we, I think that's going to be more and more important as we go. And I think that that's why Allison knows Aegon needed to, his coronation needed to be everyone in fucking King's Landing needed to be there because it needed to be something that like the public, the public opinion is definitely going to matter a lot when it comes to who actually wins the throne. Right. Yeah. Right. And by the end of the small council meeting, Beesbury, rest his little soul in peace because fuck sir Kristen Ugh. dumb he has uber strength for no reason <laughs> like I fucking hate him he tells him Beesbury standing up he tells him to sit down and he pushes him down so hard that his eye hits the marble and splats and it's just I'm just like Kristen you're a I hate you for life yeah Someone needs to put him out. Oh my God. You know what pissed me? Like that pissed me off. Yeah. What pissed me off more than that 
I'm jumping ahead for a second, but just on the, this line of Kristen fucking Cole, um, he, when him and Aegon are, are down like in flea bottom trying to, or him and Aemond are trying to find Aegon in flea bottom and they go to like a brothel and, um, Aemond says like, Aegon took me here once. He said that I needed to get it wet. And then Kristen says, um, all women are like basically all women should be looked at as like in the eye of the mother, some shit. I don't even remember it, but it just annoyed the shit out of me. I'm like, God, you and Allison belong together. You holy assholes. Like uh, he just like Fabian Frankel, God, I love you. And you're so fucking hot and you're so talented because this is what I love about shows is like when a character can make me hate them so much that everything comes out of everything that comes out of their mouth. I'm just like, my blood is boiling and he's doing like the antagonists more because I'm just like, it takes a good actor to really piss me off like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So kudos, kudos to you. Um, Uh, So the end of the small council, basically Otto is telling Harold Westerling is the Lord commander of the Kingsguard. He says, go to Dragonstone, be quick, be stealthy, basically go fucking kill him. Take a couple men, go kill Rhaenyra and Damon and their kids. Um, and, uh, Westerling, the great man that he is, takes off his white cloak, folds it up nicely, walks the fuck out. Uh, so we got that. Then immediately Kristen, again, killing a noble man and getting fucking promoted for it, (laughs) you know, becomes Lord commander now. So there we are. Then we go into this race of time because we're, we have Allison and Otto against each other with what they, how they want to handle Rhaenyra in that situation. Um, and this was something that like, I'm like, Allison, you know, it was actually in, in the council room when Jason Lannister, he asked like, Allison, what would you do then if not kill them? Because there is nothing you could do. Like Damon and Rhaenyra are never going to bend the knee. They never would. So like, she knows that. And the fact that she's offering peace, it almost, it's like a big question mark for me. I'm like, Allison, like, I think they're, they might, the showrunners might be trying to humanize her a little bit because they've made her so awful this whole time. But, um, and they're trying to add just that like drama and complexity to her. That that's my theory and like a, on a writing uh, side, but I don't understand why she would send peace terms and expect anything but war to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. Allison, I think, is just, I don't know. She's just, like, shooting her shots everywhere and seeing what's going to land and stick because I think she's flailing. Like, she doesn't know what to <laughs> yeah. do now. Definitely flailing. Definitely yeah. flailing. Uh, yeah, so that is going to be interesting. Um, so... I kind of wanted to talk about a bit. Well, basically what I was transitioning into was um, Allison and Otto are now on opposing sides and no one can find Aegon. And basically the first person that can find Aegon wins. So it's a game of fucking hide and go find the rapey fuckboy. Um, yeah. So, so Kristen and Aegon and Aemond go um, into Flea Bottom trying to find him. And then Otto sends the two twins, Eric and Arik, 
I don't know the difference between them. I know that they end up being very different in the story, but I'm not going to try to tell them apart at all um, ever because they couldn't even give them a different fucking hairstyle. I'm like, <laughs> like not a single difference between the two of them. And I'm like, how are we supposed to, like, I feel like the writers are fucking with us. Yeah. With those fucking twins. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, fucking sadists. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, so then we have that those two teams um, hunting down Aegon. Right. And my little qualms here with Aemond, I'm like, how are you so, like, moody and strong, but also, like, kind of clueless? I was just like, why do you not know where your brother is? Yeah. If I was second in line to be king, I would always know where my brother was, just... In like on a more Damon tip, like, oh, like they go to the brothel first and he's not there. I'm like, how do you not know your brother's fucking like kinks and shit? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and of course, whatever the fuck he was doing was a shock. Yeah. Shocker. I was not expecting that. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is even happening? What's happening here? Yeah. So I think, um, I it really, I think what that's showing us is how not close the two of them are. They don't know anything about each other. Like they just yeah. they, like, like as soon as Eamon got a dragon, he was like, fuck this family. I don't need to be close to any of you. Yeah. Um, although he is very close with Allison. We can see that through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Everybody, I think Aegon is just like, he's like, yeah, I don't fucking fit in here, dude. Like I'm going to go to fucking flea bottom and watch some kids fight and you know, have yeah, a, bunch but of like, make a bunch of bastards. Like it wasn't explained well. Like, is he betting on them? Like what the fuck is going on? Is this like equivalent to chicken fighting, which is awful. Yes. Fucking terrible. But I'm like, is that what this is? Am yes, I definitely a fighting ring where you bet on children and who can win that's so bad it's awful it's fucking awful and it's not the first so we we've never seen this in game of thrones i was shocked when it was happening i think even like the sound effects were awful um and and so that's where the twins end up looking for him and and to to, one of them was uh aegon's like storm protector. So he know he's the person that knows more than anybody where Aegon frequent. So it makes sense of what, how they got, you know, to this place, um, like faster. And Aemond really had no idea. He went to, he took Kristen to a brothel that they had been at years ago. And that was probably the last time that Aegon and Aemond ever hung out ever. And it was Aegon's 13th birthday. So, or Aemond's 13th birthday. Um, so yeah, we end up at this fucking cockfighting children ring and, uh, <laughs> like, so bad. it's awful. Uh, and we see that Aemon <laughs> or Aegon, Jesus, this is going to be tough. Uh, this whole series. Honestly. Uh, I need nicknames for them ASAP. Um, eggs and names. I'm just going to call them right now. Uh, eggs and names. Um, eggs he definitely has bastard children running fucking rampant. Like, like yeah. the one in there, I am predicting that that's going to be a big thing. Right. I know why I they would Again, like I get it for just like being dutiful and like you're the Royal family, but I'm like, isn't he the King? Can't Kings do what the fuck ever they want? Yeah. So I think that the issue with that is that 
it's kind of like when like you're the president and you have a scandal like Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, for example, everyone, not everyone, but I, I'm just saying, yeah, she sucked a little dick. Okay. He got a little dick suck, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's not like if that was a regular person, it would have been fine. Like no one would have batted an eye right, because he's right. a, a, like a person of power and supposed to like a role model. And, um, we have to also remember the faith is huge, right? So the mm-hmm. seven adultery, uh, bastarding children, all that stuff is all very much a sin. And the crown and the faith are at equal levels in the eyes of everyone else. So, kind of like you know there's just there's there's more responsibility and you can't just act like a like a douchebag you know playboy and do whatever you want I get that that's not to say that all kings I mean Robert Baratheon had bastards all over the place too so it's not to say that they don't do it it's just you got to be careful especially when your children all come out with fucking white hair so (laughs) good fucking points yeah um so we the twins okay honestly we'll get to the whole white worm thing but i just wanted to talk about the actually you know what let's move right into laris and allison let's just let's just go there okay (laughs) and really quickly before we go there i just want to say that they had to pull Aegon out kicking and screaming like a fucking child honestly I laughed a lot. I was like, damn, this this toddler really does not want to do this, yeah. which I think is really funny. I'll make another point later. Um, his resistance, I think, to all of this was so strong at this point. And I was like, oh, he he really doesn't want this. But I, I do think it shifts later. Yes. Uh, but we'll get there. So, yeah. yeah, like, let's talk about Allison Laris. Let's talk about the juicy part. Let's talk about Footloose. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to say that this is the second time that I was shocked and appalled um, at this episode and at how far they're going with Game of Thrones because we have yet to see, um, Maddie and I talked about this off the pod. We've seen some fetish stuff, right? Like some BDSM, um, you know, we've seen sexual fluidity in Game of Thrones. We've seen like, you know, re- like real, real BDSM with Ramsey and that one girl like cutting themselves and all that stuff like yeah but we have yet to see a foot fetish yeah and so we finally got one and it's almost like duh like how have we not seen this yet but absolutely it came up in the absolute worst way ever (laughs) it was awful to watch did I mean like look I will say it on the pod first and I am not afraid to say it I don't have a foot fetish, but I'm very cool with feet. I mean, like, I'm not trying to put them in my mouth, but I'll give you a foot rub. You know, you can rub my foot here for it. So, you know, like any, anybody with any kind of fetish do you, but like with a foot fetish, especially I'm like, oh, like it, it to me, that kink is like real cutesy. I'm like, you're yeah. fucking cute. I know I'm here for it. Yeah. As long as like, you're not asking me to put like my big toe up your butt. Like I'm fine with (sighs) stuff. Like I'm cool. Like I'm cool with it. I I like my feet being touched normally. So I like foot rubs. So, um, yeah, not at all against foot fetishes. And we are also not here to kink shame anyone. That is not what we do, but not at all. Not the way to do it. Yeah. There was coercion and manipulation and yes. Mm -hmm. 
God, if she had touched her at all, it would have been sexual assault. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, you know, we mentioned this off the pod, but we see his little like foot contraption for the first time in this episode. And, you know, like, I don't even know. That was the craziest cast I've ever seen. I was like, that just never comes off. It's a metal thing. Is your foot just he never gets sunlight or air? I, I don't think he has a foot. I think that's a fake foot. Oh, oh, I like a peg leg. Yeah, yes, leg. I'm not. I'm not sure, but that's my guess because it, you're right. There is no air getting. In Sorry, I shouldn't have said live foot. I don't know if that's rude. Oh well, I don't know. I don't know, but, but whatever. He has a prosthetic leg part. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Oh so it, it almost is like, and then it's, it's so basically as soon as. So we, I noticed this before the last time that we saw them meeting privately, she takes off her shoes as she gets in the room. And I kind of thought then like, oh, this is just a comfortability. You know, she takes off her shoes and she hops, like, she's just like gets the table and she sighs and you can tell she's stressed out. And I'm just like, okay, they're just relaxing together. Um, But then I also thought that then um, he walks in and because we got such a clear zoomed in shot of his foot, it automatically was weird. I was like, why are we finally seeing this? Why are you emphasizing this in this scene? Yes. And then she comes in and takes off her shoes and puts them up on the table. And, and they like, pan directly to them. <laughs> That's when I knew. I mean, it was obvious at that point. Yes. And I will just say, just for the record, her feet were so cute though. I was like, I, okay, Laris, like, I mean, disgusting, but I get where you're coming from. Like she had, does have really cute feet. Yeah, and she's the queen, you know, and yeah. she's beautiful. I mean, Jesus, like yes. Olivia Cook is gorgeous. So, um, and she looked stunning. I love her, her hairstyles every fucking time. Sometimes I, I really hate a Game of Thrones hairstyle. I'm like, you are so much part of your, you just didn't do all this. It's yes. But the way that they do her hair every single time is so nice. So, um, yeah. So what was, God, the whole scene was just so creepy because of the way that he was controlling it. Yes. And I felt uncomfortable. And that was the point was this is, this is supposed to feel uncomfortable, right? It's yes. supposed to feel yucky. And yeah, that's what it felt. And because he basically starts off with like, do you want to know how, like, don't you want to know how Otto was able to find Aegon first? And we, we see in the scene previously where um, the, the Cargills actually, do, the Cargill twins actually do find Aegon. It's because Otto and the White Worm meet. And um, yeah, so we don't have to go into all the details, but Otto and the White Worm meet, et cetera. Uh, I, that will be a thing later on for sure, but I don't want to spend too much time on it on this pod, I don't think. Um, and then she, she's the one that actually has Aegon, et cetera. So Laris finds that out. And so he knows about White Worm. And basically we have two opposing masters of spies now, um, one within the Red Keep and one out of the Red Keep. And so he says that to Allison and she like, you could, she just rolls her eyes and she's like, fuck me. Okay. Like we got to do it today. You know, this yeah. now's the time. So then she starts taking off like, her st- like she like put I-, I don't even remember how it was but there was like three steps to her making her feet naked and it was just more and more uncomfortable every fucking time because he will like would give a little bit of information and then she would say like he basically told her about the white worm 
And then Allison says, um, so this, this spy is watching me. And he just looks at her feet and then back up at her. Like, oh. you know what you got to do for me to keep talking. And it was so. Yes. Ugh. Oh yeah. my God. It was, it was so gross. It was oh. super gross. It was disgusting. And, you know, they do show him, you know, putting his hand in his fucking pants and being disgusting and a little pervert and shit. But the wild thing is, Allison just turns her fucking head and and doesn't look. And I'm like, so, you know, at this point, we're like, oh, this has been happening for years. Like, what the fuck? So, you know, like, Allison, it's wild as fuck that she's holier than thou or holier than now, whatever the fucking saying is. And she's out here, you know, selling her feet for some info, kind of. Like, it's a bargain. It's their bargaining. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. We have not seen this. Um, it was, it we've was seen a quid pro quo for sure. Uh, you know, we've seen sex in, you know, in exchange for information or for favors or whatever, but, uh, never, never feet pics, never foot stuff. Um, yeah, so never foot it, stuff. it was, but it also like, it's just, it almost felt like, how have we not seen this? We got so many seasons of game of Thrones and so much 88 fucking no way more than that. I don't know how many episodes, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm just like, how have we not seen foot stuff? I how have other fetishes not been brought in yet? Now I'm like, we have a whole world we need to tap into. There's some weird shit out there. And I I want to see it all now. This feels like the tip of the iceberg for sure. I'm like, oh, we have no idea what they're about to fucking show us. Untapped potential here. Definitely. Truly, (laughs) truly. I mean, as disturbing as it was, I think for the shock value, absolutely worth it. Yeah. hundred percent fucking worth it. I'm like, y'all like. I hated it, but also kudos like that was not in my fucking playbill tonight. Like I was not expecting that in my fucking, you know, my routine. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Claire Kilner, brava. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So the shock that you're totally right. Like the shock that I was like, (gasps) I I didn't even (laughs) listen to what Lara said the first time I watched this episode. I had to rewatch it because I was like, wait. I'm all I was thinking about was, am, am, is this what I, am I seeing this? Am I witnessing this? You feel like you're in the room with them. Literally. It, it, yeah. And that's the scene was perfect. The tension was perfect. The way that it was shot was perfect. I was like, yeah, this is, I felt like I, I felt like I needed to cover my eyes and like run away. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, um, Jesus. Okay. Uh, Anything else we want to say on this point outside of, well, yeah, you already said it, but clearly this has been happening for years and it's showing no signs of stopping. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, again, catering to all of the men in her life, like there's, God, there's too many men around her, too many fucking men. Um, and she's suffering. So I don't know. And her feet are fucking suffering. Yeah. Like the shame, her little ankles. Oh my God. I know. Poor little toes are probably so cold. <laughs> All the time. How many times a week does she have to do this? Oh my God. I know. And like, and that's the thing is I almost am like, it seems like because it, it they, it, what it was unspoken, what he wanted, she knew immediately. So that's how yeah. we know that like this, they've done this before. 
Um, I'm cur- I really just wish I like want to see the first time that he asked her to do it. I know and how that happened. Like, how did we get here? This clearly came from somewhere. Like he had to have at one time verbalized it. Right. So, um, bold. So I would not doubt it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, but like, my question is, I don't know if it's going to stay here or if he's going to get, if he's going to be like, get, like ask for more, like, is he does, is he going to want her to like, you know, foot job him? Is she <laughs> her to like ball stomp him? I don't know. Foot fetishes can go wild and rampant. So I'm like, absolutely. There's a lot that can be done with a foot and a penis. So I'm like, oh I don't, is it going to stop here or is it like the juicier, the information, the more she has to do? I don't know, because it feels like we're already starting off. It feels very sinister the way that this was that I'm like, I, I feel like in Game of Thrones, it always gets worse. Yeah. We never see the worst of the worst first. We see it in the penultimate fucking episodes of every season always. (sighs) Yeah. Right. Well, that does not excite me. (laughs) It just doesn't. I'm like, you guys skipped out on sex scenes with Damon and freaking Lena, but you're giving us foot scenes. I'm pissed. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's fine. I'm really not pissed. I, like I said, the shock value worth it every time. Like yeah. I'm like, throw a foot fetish in there. Shock yeah, me. For sure. For sure. Oh. And I think him the way that, because what confused me before in the, the episode with Lena's funeral um it when he was like Laris was like staring at her and Kristen notices but the way that he's looking at her was so creepy it wasn't even like a um we have like a secret together like it was it was like a he was sexually attracted to her that's what that like his gaze looked like to me yeah desiring so that kind of you know that that it makes sense now that there is actual desire there because we haven't seen that really come through in anything else between them um okay all right jesus i could talk about feet this whole episode yeah Um, and i was gonna say there's really no good segue so we may as well just jump into into the next (laughs) i don't know how to segue from feet i just Uh, um okay so at this point uh we have Aegon um in it so and also something that we kind of brushed over but as soon as the the cargill twins find Aegon um Aemond and Kristen are there to get him from them and bring Aegon to um Alicent so they have a little squirrel fight scene uh one of the twins just fucking dips and I'm like wait what like why are you what like I don't know so and again I think just going on that fast introduction because um you know you mentioned that people kind of are saying it about the books like oh like they want it to be a little bit longer a little more slow burn I could I saw it on screen with them too I was like what the who are where the fuck why are you leaving yeah where did you come from yeah it was quick and it was a little confusing I'm hoping that we'll see more of them in either the next episode or season two just so we can like understand their differences mm-hmm. but so I, I know just based on the next week uh, teaser, we will see the one twin that was Aegon's protector um, because he basically, while they're going through uh, Flea Bottom and this, you know, child fight club and all of that, he's trying to tell his other bro- his twin 
like, this is who he is. Is this a man that you really think should be king? And he's trying to like, just show him like Aegon is a horrible fucking person. And um, so he, and then he's actually the one that ends up getting Rhaenys from her chambers later. We see him in the teaser and 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 showing his support for Rhaenyra. So I do think we will see him next episode uh, switching sides and going to, okay. to fight for her side. So that's interesting. But then that also it means that I believe there's going to be a divide between the two twins, which is also going to be interesting to see. Aww, yeah. Awesome. Um, so anyways, um, Allison ends up getting Aegon and, and then we have, oh, actually, you know what, before we talk about Allison and Otto, let's talk about Allison and Rhaenys and that, that confrontation. Chamber scene. Yes. So as soon as Allison actually gets Aegon, she goes to Rhaenys and Rhaenys has been locked in her chamber and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't know the king is dead. Allison goes in there and basically asks her to fight on the green side because of her dragon. She needs her dragon power. So it's interesting that Allison is now, she's politicking. She's always been politicking, but now she's politicking in, in like, and understanding the Targaryen power and the power of these dragons. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it's really the first time that we've ever seen her show any sort of respect for them at all. Um, because she needs them. And Rhaenys is basically like the word of my house is not fickle. Fuck you lady. Like, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, we and we does get- a good job at trying to convince, and Raina shuts it down pretty much every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, we mentioned earlier, she basically her silver lining was like, you still toil in the in the like of men, yeah. of men. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not doing anything for yourself, which I think is so nice because you're right. Like it did flip a switch in her, and when we do talk about Otto and Allison, like there is a bit of mistrust yeah. later. Yeah, because there's of mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely a shift. So I think that, you know, Rainey's played like a crucial role in these events that are happening. Cause like this was also, the episode was so fast paced, but it was, it's because everything that was happening was fast paced. I mean, the King just fucking died. Right. And they're trying to usurp the throne and they have to do it before people find out that the King is even dead. Right. They have right. to, they have to um, control the narrative. So, yep. So it's, it's like all of these things that it felt very like house of cards to me, like just very political. Everything was political about it. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, Rainey's was crucial in what she said, very like thought provoking. And I think that she definitely, um, Mm-hmm. like didn't sway Allison but definitely had an effect on her to where Allison is now swayed in a different yes. direction and and like you said mistrusting of Otto um okay so we'll talk about Rainey's in the fucking crazy scene later but um Allison Otto this was really interesting and this is where I really fucking empathized with her because you know, even in the last episode, I was thinking like, Allison didn't ask for any of this. She didn't ask to marry the king. She didn't ask to fight with Rhaenyra. She didn't ask to have, you know, the king's kid. Like she didn't ask for any of it. And in fact, like Otto is the true villain here because he's the one that made all of this happen for his own gain. Um, And now Allison's finally realizing it. And it really put her back into like a victim place for me and not the villain you know, or not the, the, the bad guy. Um, so yeah, this, this scene was really interesting. Um, it, 
I believe they filmed it really similarly to the first time that Otto asked her to go and see the king and comfort him in mm-hmm. his chambers. And he asked her to wear his mother's her mother's dress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what did you think about the scene and Alice and Otto in their relationship? Um, I definitely saw the shift too. I mean, like it was a little bit heartbreaking for me because you know it it brings me back to when she's speaking with Laris in a previous episode and she's like, well, my dad will always be partial to me, you know? And she says it with such conviction. Yeah. And I understand that because, you know, we all have parents, you know, like, and I'm not saying that everyone is close, but you know, I, me personally, I am. So like, I would have felt that way too. I would have been like, well, my parents are going to be partial to me no matter what. So I think like to see this shift, especially after everything that she's given, Mm-hmm. You know, like she didn't ask for any of it, but she still did what she thought was to be true and right because her dad is supposed to be the most trusted guide in her life. Yeah, that's good parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel bad for her in a way yeah. because it's crumbling around her, and it's like, well, my my own father never really was actually looking out for me. Yeah. You know, I like totally right. I forgot about that scene with Laris. And yeah, that just makes it way more sad because she really did out of anybody that she thought she could trust, it was it was her own dad. And then she realizes that he's been self-serving this whole time. Right. So yeah, for me it was really heartbreaking. And again, like that's that last moment where she just is like so fucking untethered. Mm-hmm. Like I think that really put her over the edge and was just like, okay, well. I have to just grab at anything right now. That's why she, you know, like was speaking to Rainus. you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh shit. Like you really are pulling out like the aces up your sleeve right now. Yeah. Like, you're, sure. you, all, all plans go like try everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Because I mean, and like that, and that's the thing too, is like, I wished that obviously in a perfect world, not a game of Thrones world. Um, you know, she would have realized this with Otto and realized that she doesn't have enough allies and there isn't really anyone she can trust. And she's only putting herself more in danger and giving herself more stress and drama by really put like, like going forward and putting Aegon on the throne, you know, in a perfect world. I wish that like, she just was just like, fuck it. It's not worth it. We don't need this. Like, let's just go your dad's dead. Let's just take you kids to back to old town and like live my life out and, you know, and not try not continue to be in service, but she doesn't do that. Um, because she's so convicted about Aegon being on the throne, but like that, it's just almost like, I don't, and I don't know if this is a, because she doesn't seem self-serving. She does it. She does like, she doesn't seem like she wants to be in power. She's greedy for power. So Um, it's kind of just like a big, like question mark. And I think that there's so much cognitive dissonance that she's dealing with that. I like, I think that that's why I probably feel like that because I'm like, what do you want though? Like, have you ever stopped and asked yourself that? Like, what, what is it that you want? Not what you're supposed to do, but you know, like right now the King is dead. She like, she doesn't owe the realm anything, you know, she doesn't owe it. Like she could have just went off and let Rhaenyra like take the throne and that was it that would have been it but you know she's so convicted and I just I just don't understand why really um yeah yeah that's that's the question 
Yeah. And then, but then seeing like this Allison auto shift, it, I think that's, the, I mean, obviously that's a huge deal. They are the greens, right? The two of them are the greens, the foundation of the greens. So it's like, how the fuck is that going to work when you guys, I mean, they both have a common enemy right now, but at the same time, like there's cracks in the foundation. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I am also interested, especially because like, I think when you wake up like that, I don't know, like you just don't know what you're capable of at that point. You're like, wow, like I can see things a little more clearly. So like, what is going to be my plan of action? Like, what do I want? I think she's just had such like a shield over her eyes for so long that it's, I don't know. It's like, shock almost Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like when you have a really strict parent and you let the kid go to college and they fucking while out yes like I'm I'm a little worried that like Allison is at that place yeah yeah I agree I agree I think that you know we like haven't seen anything and that yeah so that that's where it is it's like I saw how brutal she was when Rhaenyra was around her um and and so I was like okay yeah you're like you're capable of being vicious, absolutely vicious. And, but then in this episode with her trying to protect Rhaenyra, it's like, she's, I think she's going back and forth too. And it's just, it is that dissonance of like, what is she going to like, what the fuck is she going to do? Like, I have no idea what she's going to do. Right. And I just want to point out too, um, something I had mentioned earlier with Allison and, you know, she can be so wrathful and like, just a little bit like vicious, but also she's a woman at the end of the day, she's compassionate. And as like ready as every single man was in the council room to fucking kill everyone, she had a moment of pause. Like, let's stop to think about this. Like we probably shouldn't be just killing people. And I thought that was really interesting. And like, well, yeah, little, like allegory to like real life, you yeah. know, like I hate to be all morbid and deep, but I'm just like, yeah, like, women are slow to violence. Yeah. Um, so she does say in the room with Otto, when they, when she confronts him, you know, she says, uh, reluctance to murder is not a weakness. And that was very smart, like very smart the way that she said that. And, and also, yeah, I was just like, wow, like that was a great fucking line. Um, because it's true. It's, you know, there are ways around, solving problems without killing people and you know it's not just women that are like that it's you know they're like but yeah like she is a compassionate person and she is you know a faithful person and she is a like ultimately is a good person like she's not we talked about this before when she found out that Laris killed Harwin and Lionel how upset she was and how guilty Mm -hmm. she felt and I believed that to be true I thought she was being genuine because I don't think she wants people to die you know also, when she finds out that Kristen and Rhaenyra slept together, she could have easily killed him. He would have right. been, if Viserys had known that, Kristen's head would have been on a spike immediately. So, it's like, she, but she doesn't act on it. She doesn't tell anybody. She, and he, you know, is like, wow, that was the most gracious thing ever. I thought that I was going to die for this. I should have mm-hmm. died for this. So, it's like she, you know, reluctance to murder definitely has been in her character, tr- like, through and through. So I understand this, but I also am leaning towards like, you're trying to usurp the throne. Uh, They've got a ton of fucking dragons. Damon is a hothead. And Rhaenyra was like, 
you're taking power away from them. And something that was talked about in the books, which is interesting because we care a lot about, I mean, in this world, they care a lot about their generations, their families, their dynasties, you know, their, (coughs) excuse me, their lineage. So when Rhaenys was not put on the throne when she should have been in the very beginning, when Viserys got it over her, it wasn't just her not having power. It was her family and her, like her line. Right. So mm-hmm. in that, it is so much bigger than just one person sitting the, the throne at one time. It is whose family and future like generations are going to be in power. So right. if you usurp the throne and Aegon is now sitting on the throne, that, that doesn't just take power away from Rhaenyra, that takes power away from everything that she has built and everything that her kids will build, right? right. So it's it's much bigger. I was like that. That's something that they talked about and explained really well in the book um, with specifically with Rhaenys and Corlys and why he was so upset because it wasn't just my wife didn't get the throne. It was also my kids will not have the throne, even though it's their birthright. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, just, just noting that. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just have to see what fucking happens with Allison Otto. I have no clue. I mean, I'm absolutely clueless right now. Yeah. I can't predict. I don't even want to, because I'm like, I really don't know. Like if you're going to stay dutiful and just like put your fucking head down. Cause that's what you know, or if you're just, you're pissed off now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we um, move into the coronation of Aegon and he is just a fucking shitty little sad boy. This kid, he does not give a fuck about Rhaenyra. He basically, well, like Rhaenyra and her, not that he doesn't give a fuck about her, but like her, the, the conflict with Rhaenyra, he could give a shit about. And he basically is just like, my father never loved me. He had 20 years to name me heir and he didn't. Why is this happening now? He just, he doesn't believe that anyone cares about him. Um, and so I think that that we see a huge shift when he is being coronated and the crowd all cheers for him. Mm-hmm. We see something in him awaken a lot like when Amond got Vagar. You know, we just saw, it was just a total personality shift. Um, so I think with Aegon, it's going to be like, we already know he's a shitty person. He does shitty things. He has shitty tendencies. Um, he always just stayed out of, out of everybody's way though. So now him being the King, it's like, oh fuck, what is this going to look like? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that shift too. Um, and it was, God, the, the wagon ride up to the coronation was so weird. Just like the shit he was asking, what did he say? So he was like, do you love me or something? Me? And she called and she's just like imbecile. imbecile. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, probably because she's like, why are you asking me about that when we're, you know, like focus on the task at hand? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I love you. Like, I don't even fucking know. Um, but I was just like, why do you need that validation? Like, you're fucking grown, dude. Like, I uh, we should be telling our family members that we love each other, but it it was off-putting I was just like dude like you you're gonna be a bad ruler I can already tell for I sure. can already tell for sure um you know the thing is is like what I wished we spent more time like with in the show was with Aegon because we got a little bit of um 
the younger actor who did phenomenal and I loved him. Um, and I wish that this Aegon was is still humorous like the young one was, but mm-hmm. we did, we haven't really got to see him. We know, like, it's like when I, when I think of Aegon and what I've seen of him, he's just like a drunk fool. And like, that's how mm-hmm. I see him as he is. But then like knowing that he goes to these child fighting pits and like all that, I'm like, that seems so out of character. Like, is it, like what? Like it just yeah. didn't feel, it doesn't, when you look at him and you look at like how immature and like goofy he is. And he, like I said, just fucking, he's just a drunk. It's like, you don't think of somebody that you don't see somebody that's capable of doing such horrible things or being around such horrible places and all that. So mm-hmm. like, it, I wish that we got more of that to see like how sinister he actually, they're saying he is based right. on what he's doing because I am not seeing the connection between the the cat the, the actual cast member the character and the actions that he's done yeah I agree because they they pronounce that even more later on when um Otto and you know fucking white worm are talking and she's like I will give you Aegon but like I want the children in Flea Bottom to be safe yeah basically like saying like i don't want these fucking kid fighting pits exactly you know like that's why i have Aegon because like yeah. he's be funding this shit you know and like oh god yeah like he he's sinister for sure yeah. and we and it does it feels confusing like a takeoff from his character point because before like it to me he was just like a drunk horny fuck you know yeah, exactly exactly not capable of being like not capable of these things like that he doesn't his character and the way that he this this character is being played does it doesn't feel like it's capable it feels like okay you're drunk and you're horny and you're rapey but like ultimately harmless when it comes like children fighting yeah exactly and also like non-competitive like uh someone who's more competitive i think would be more vindictive right like he doesn't want any of this power he doesn't care for it like oh i'm not gonna i won't try for Rhaenyra's position then you know no but being alive like that challenges her so it just like he seems kind of aloof so to see yeah something so like vicious and like almost calculated I'm like you don't come off that way you weren't it didn't feel that way before so it felt like a big surprise I was like what the fuck are you doing dude yeah how did you get here? Yeah. And like, I mean, I will say it's probably just a, like a product of not having enough time, but I'm like, if this is going to be the, like, I just wish that they wrote in more of him. So we, it, it didn't feel so disconnected. It, it just like his actions and his character just feel very disconnected for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are going to see a shift. I know we're going to get more time with him. Clearly he was just coronated, you know? Um, and you know, we see that shift when the crowd starts cheering. And so I'm like, okay, Jersey fist pumps with the sword. God, I was like, this was the corniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Stop it. God, Stop it right it now. Was giving um, Jim Tan laundry, and I loved it. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I was like, wow, Aegon, you're a Jersey Shore boy. Yeah, my God. And- it was great it was awful it was super cringy but I also loved it yeah yep um so yeah it'll be interesting to see what's in the fucking cards for this little rapey fuck um yeah guess what's in the cards a fucking dragon earthquake hell yeah fuck yeah let's talk about it oh my god 
I was so excited because we, first of all, we finally meet Maylise, which is Rhaenys's dragon. She's called the Red Queen in the books, this oh. dragon. Yeah. Um, and oh my she, God, I thought her name was Maylise. I, I, people say it all differently. I don't know okay. how it's actually supposed to be said, but I, I'm saying Maylise. Um, Maylise and Rhaenys. Boom, boom, boom. Matchy, matchy, you know? Okay. Uh, but I mean, yeah, feel free to say whatever. I mean, it's all from a fucking book. So like, who's to say what's actually right and wrong, you know? Heard that. Um, yeah, so we, one of the Cargill twins ends up getting Rainey's out. He's trying to take her to the shore so she can jump on a boat and go to Dragonstone, let Rhaenyra know what's going on and escape for herself. She obviously wants her dragon. Um, the dragon is in the dragon pit. And this is where everybody is going toward the coronation. Of course, she didn't know that the coronation was happening, but she's happy because the coronation is happening in all but the dragon pit, which is perfect for her because then she can, you know, weasel around, go downstairs, get. Yeah, because she wasn't going to leave without her dragon. Absolutely not. And she well, And that's the thing is the dragon was the power, right? Like, and we see we know that from the conversation with Allison is that. Rainey's, yeah, like she wants to live, but if they have Maylis, then the dragon scale is even. But right. with Maylis on Dragonstone, dra- dragon scale is tipped for sure towards um the black. So uh she leaves. My one qualm is that somehow during this five-minute coronation, she goes downstairs, finds her dragon, changes into armor that she didn't have with her and then breaks. The, like, it's just the armor. The, and the armor was gorgeous, but I'm like, this is unrealistic. Maybe the armor was in the dragon pit. I mean, perhaps. I don't I mean, know why it would be. heroes have their fucking Batmobile and their suit in the same layer. Yeah, I know. But why would her armor be in a King's Landing dragon pit when she doesn't live there? Well, she's been know? locked up. She's been chilling there, though. No, I mean, for a day or like, we can only assume a day or two, like from when Viserys actually died. So, you know, I don't know. That was just my one thing is like, I understand the effect that they needed to have with the armor. She was in a fucking, that, that goddamn cloak that everyone wears when they're doing some shisty shit. Everybody in Westeros has a shisty cloak. I saw that online. It's not mine, but it's so true. Yes, it is true. Um, so yeah, she's in this, this cloak. So I'm like, yeah, it wouldn't have had the same effect if she broke through the fucking floor in a cloak on the dragon. Oh my God. I know. The armor was essentially. What? You wouldn't have known who it was in that damn cloak. (laughs) Oh Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening at first because they don't immediately pan. They just pan to, it's like an earthquake at first. Like you see shit and people and running and then bam here's this fucking dragon busting through the floor busted through the floor mm-hmm. just crazy and what does the dragon do it screams at them so loud and Aegon and Allison look shook to yeah. their core Allison oh. stands in front of Aegon which I thought was like damn you're a pretty brave bitch yeah well yeah no it's it, and that, yeah and she's you know she's stern and cold she gives me virgo through and through because she's just (laughs) critical and harsh but like she's still very incredibly loyal and she's she is a good mom in these moments because she basically just says like to kristen like go get helena and she stands in front of aegon um notably 
sent no one to protect Aemon because Aemon does not need any protection. She jumps in front of the king and she has Kristen in front of her daughter. But Aemon, I actually was really curious to see his reaction. We didn't really get a lot of it from this dragon and that power. Um, but yeah, she does in front of him. They all shat their fucking pants because really... Rainy should have just Dracarist and I ended know. the whole thing. <laughs> like, I know, but again, slow to murder. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they said it in the inside the episode, I believe, that Rainey's the reason why she doesn't is because this isn't her war, you know. Um, and she tells Rhaenyra before in the episode before where um where they're in court trying to t- you know, talking about the succession of Driftmark. And, you know, Rhaenyra and Rhaenys have a private conversation and uh, Rhaenys said, like, the, you know, the Greens are coming down on you. And because of that, I need to stand alone. And I think that that's still true. Like, she will be on Rhaenyra's side reluctantly just because that's how the hand's been dealt. But she ultimately is just trying to protect herself and her granddaughters, Um, which fucking more power to you, bro. You know, and she does. She's been compared a lot online to um, Lady Olena and of Highgarden. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing. Lady Olena, yeah, she was ambitious, but at the same time, at the end of the day, she was just trying to protect her grandkids, Loris. Yeah, and, and honestly, Alec. I think that keeps you alive the longest. Like, don't make any alliances. Just just stand alone. Mm-hmm. You'll live the longest that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Early. For sure. Um, so yeah, that was just an epic scene and we can... God, it was wild. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. screaming at the TV. I was like, this bitch is fuck. She literally, the building is about to collapse. They fucked up the infrastructure with that damn dragon. Mm. Y'all need to run. Yeah. Get out of there. And yeah, I was also shocked that she just was like, fuck y'all. Oh my God. You know what? You're totally right. Because I have been thinking about the fall of the dragon pit we see the dragon pit in game of thrones 200 years later and it's nothing it looks like the coliseum really mm-hmm. it's just like bare inside you have some standing walls but like ultimately the whole thing came down and i wonder if because of i don't i don't think that this rainy's thing was in the book i i don't believe it was um but i'm like maybe we'll start to see the fall of the dragon pit now you know, oh, if they're like, point. oh, we don't have the time or resources. We're fighting a war. We can't fix what Melee is yeah. just fucked up. So like, yeah. you know, like, and That's then point. yeah, ultimately it all just starts to crumble from there maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just want to touch on um, Helena for a moment because she yes. does foreshadow this. Uh, I can't remember her exact words, but she says it to Allison that there are a beast under the boards. A beast beneath the boards, yeah. A a beast beneath the boards, which I love the alliteration. Give me all those bees, baby. Like, I love it. Uh, But I also want to talk about the scene a little bit, and I could be absolutely wrong. Um, We talked a bit about it off the pod, but I feel like Helena, I know that she's, it's, she's supposed to be like a seer or something i think that's what the book say well yeah so um a seer is like somebody that sees like prophecies like uh like we can see that like phoebe with a premonition and charmed if you will you know yeah and we can see that with this you know just that line but the way like physically that that scene happens 
and the way that Allison like goes in and she kind of like backs up I don't know and Allison is very like patient and careful with her Mm -hmm. it felt like when her and Allison are talking yeah Yeah. when they're talking it felt like I'm like oh Helena almost it kind of feels like she might be on the autistic spectrum and I think like in earlier episodes too I didn't like make the connection before I think like I needed a few things to happen with her but like what does she say at the table about being married it was just like off-putting and awkward I was like oh like that's a little inappropriate but she yeah she doesn't realize so I mean I think that that you know being on the spectrum of autism is a a general way to kind of just um explain like her behaviors you know or or just that her behaviors aren't like she's not uh, yeah she's like like so the sociability and the awkwardness and all of that and in the way that Allison um knows to be sensitive with her um but yet she says you know being married isn't that bad mostly he just ignores you unless sometimes he's when he's drunk yes and it was so funny it was Uh, it was it was so funny and so cute because it's like you know that she's special you know yeah yeah and like I don't mean it in a derogatory sense at all I just thought like I think for like a series like this there probably were some mental ailments that like it's not a modern world like they probably is running amok in this show (laughs) yeah so like they probably like aren't defining it but like it to me it it just like felt like it was alluded to that like a little bit and I might be reaching I could absolutely be reaching uh but I thought that was really interesting um just in general I was like oh like well, so it's something that like they won't ever call it in the show because clearly there's right. those mental health in this show. But um, but you know, it's something that we can use as a gauge for ourselves knowing that, like, you yeah, know, it's so, like a lens almost. Yes, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I but until you said that, I didn't even make the reference the beast beneath the boards I was thinking I mean and that could mean a lot of things I was thinking it she was talking about Otto um because she says it and when she's talking to Allison it's as soon as Otto leaves the room that she says it um but beast beneath the boards dragon under the fucking dragon pit duh oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah baby (laughs) um yeah. So with her, it's going to be interesting because it's like, you really have to pay attention to everything she says. Yes. Um, but it could like, there are some things that are very, uh, vague and cryptic. And it's like, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. Helena, yes. help me out here. Explain. Yeah. And she's like that all the time. And it's always like, she's always like kind of quiet and like, you know, you know, like you almost miss it. You really, you do have to really pay close attention, but yeah. Um, and I will say this is probably I probably my favorite scene too. The scene with her and Allison. No, the sorry, the busting through the floor. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just so the shock value was just so crazy, and you know the graphics of the dragons are fucking incredible. So it's yeah. like, and it's nice because we got to see Rainus on Malus. Yeah, for the first time. Hmm was cool mm-hmm. i know it was our first time seeing melee's and it, it's really cool because i love that all the dragons are really distinct like melee's is bright fucking red and i'm like that's dope yeah that's dope um yeah. yeah so it's gonna be interesting i actually want to segue right into the uh plot theories um just quickly before we jump off but uh just going over 
who's on what side who like especially with the dragons we know that the dragons there's a dragon scale and it's tipped in favor of uh Rhaenyra right now so I, I just specifically the dragons we have Rhaenyra um Damon who else has a dragon Jason Luke both have dragons mm-hmm. um and then Lena has a dragon Bela does not or mm-hmm. I might get those I might be getting those mixed up but one of Damon's girls has a dragon mm-hmm. so that's how and what about her other I mean they're like babies right now but she's so got Damon got the clutch a clutch of three dragon eggs so but also so I'm I'm assuming that those three will be for their three children um one of them her unborn child but th- th- those will be baby dragons so it's not right. like if we're talking about war it's not they're useless almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah because dragons take a really long time to grow so um so we have god how many is that i didn't keep count rhaenyra damon luke jace lena um that's five so that's six and then on the green side aegon Aemond, and helena and that's it mm-hmm so yeah, six against three. And we have, you know, Aemond notably has Vagar, which is the biggest one, um, also the mm-hmm. oldest dragon. So whether that be a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Vagar seemed pretty slow and lazy when Aemond first claimed him. Like he was just like hopped and puffed when he told him to fly. So I'm just like, I don't really know how like effective his size and age are. <laughs> right, right. Um yeah so okay so dragon scales definitely tipped towards Rhaenyra and then one thing that I'm excited about that I saw in the um in the the trailer for the next episode what little they fucking show we see Damon in a shisty fucking cloak oh god the dragon um yeah the the dragon's name is Vermioth Verminoth something like that. I um, have been introduced. So for the listeners, I am reading the book and I'm like right up to the point that we're at now in the show. So I don't know what happens in the future. I'm going to keep reading it. Of course, I'm going to know what happens. Trust me, I won't spoil it. But uh, this dragon has been mentioned in the book before and it's, it's right now it's unclaimed. So I think Damon is trying to, he's just, God, that man, he's, I cannot wait to have them back on this fucking screen. Hell yeah. It was, that was the worst part about this episode was not seeing them at all. I know. I know. And it is bittersweet, like coming to the end, you know, like I, I'm excited to see what happens, but I'm like, damn, one more episode. And then like, however long until they give us the second season. Oh, HBO. God damn it. Please. God damn it. I know. Um Sorry to make you guys sad, but yeah, I know. We need to find a way. We just did our Rings of Power uh season finale episode, and it like the mood got so sour at the it end. Was I was so like, sad. I was like, we need to figure out a way to make these these final uh season podcasts lighter. <laughs> absolutely, but, absolutely. Um yeah, but nonetheless, this this series, uh, just overall, my opinion is doing much better than I th- I thought. In the very beginning, I was here for it. Then I got a little lost with all the time jumps, character changes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not spending enough time with certain characters, but I, you know, 
how how these last two episodes have felt I'm like okay this is this is what I'm here for like I'm yeah and I think they probably needed a lot of time to set up there's a lot of people a lot of players a lot of things that happen so I'm like okay if you're giving us like this many episodes of prologue like I would assume that season two is going to be pretty crazy yeah yeah that's what we're hoping for so um yeah and I will say that what I do know is that, you know, even in the book, the way that everything, because the book goes from the time of Aegon the Conqueror mm-hmm. all the way up to where, you know, where we know this is going. But, um, you know, as soon as Rhaenyra and Damon and Laenor and Alicent and all of them are are brought into the book, the pace changes rapidly. Like it, the the pace gets so fast with how much actually happens. So now knowing that and seeing how they've done it in the show, it makes a lot of sense because they have so much content that they have to write for and put on screen Yeah, uh, because there's so much that happens. So I think that the pacing, it makes a lot more sense to me now as of, you know, but when, when I hadn't read the book, I was like, what the fuck are we jumping around for? Can we just sit here for a sec and get with these people? But now it makes total sense of why they had to do it that way. So uh, I apologize for all of the shit talking (laughs) I did (laughs) before. (laughs) Listen, this is why we do the pod so that we can have to apologize later. (laughs) This part of the journey, babe. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Well, on that note, that pretty much covers it. Yeah, it does. Um, please come back and join us next week for the season finale. It might be a little bit sad, but we'll try our best to be hilarious and not cry too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being HB Hose. And uh, where can you find us? Uh, on Instagram, you can find us at hb.hose. On Twitter, you can find us at hb underscore hose. And you can email us at hose at hbhose.com. All right, y'all. Love ya. Bye. Bye.